What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and having a wonderful day. Uh, thanks so much for being here and worshiping with us. Uh, for those of you that are watching online, you are part of us and who we are. We're so glad that you're connecting with the Lord and with us. And, and man, this is a, a great time for us as a church. It's a great time for us as people because oftentimes when we go through struggles, when we go through difficulties, that's when we rise up. That's when we step up and we recognize who we are, we recognize our character and who God is, the, the lordship of Jesus in our lives, and that's when the church rises up. And so right now, for us as Grace Church, we're taking steps, we're advancing, you know, we want to see the love of Christ shared in powerful ways, and, and we are so excited about what God is doing. Things are challenging, but nonetheless, God is still God, he's powerful and strong, and so let's allow him to continue to show the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives, at work, at church, in our community, Lord, in, in, in our nation. It's, a, it's just such a big deal. So we're going to be starting a brand new series uh, starting today, and we're going to be going over uh, unshakable truth uh, over the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about defending our faith in a modern world. And I'll tell you what, I am really, really excited about this because I feel like this is needed. This is needed now more than ever uh, because so many times when you look at our faith, when you, when you look at culture, when you look at society, uh, people see God as irrelevant, uh, right? You and I have friends and family members and coworkers that they see Christians as weak. They see us as hypocrites. They see us as irrelevant and intolerant. And so the next several weeks, this whole idea of unshakable truth, we're going to be talking about apologetics. Now, apologetics is the fancy word for defending our faith. It's not apologizing for having faith in Christ, but it's how to defend our faith and who we are in Christ and what that means. And so what it is, it's, it's us being able to articulate why we believe what we do. And so we're going to be walking, over the, walking through this the next several weeks, and I'm really excited about it. So it's not just you and I developing strategies to be able to argue with other people. That's not what this is about at all. Uh, but it's about defending our faith with our words, yes, knowing what to say when and, and how to ask questions and, and, and interact with people that we're, we're in relationship with and even strangers, but also defending our faith by our actions, the things that people see, showing the love of Christ. Uh, because, man, if we're really honest, we, there are people that are looking for answers. Uh, and, and so to be able to defend our, fa our faith is really helpful because people may ask us questions. And, and sometimes we won't know the, all the answers. But I'll tell you what, we are going to develop a way to talk about it and to communicate. But even if, we're, 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 if I talk about that right now, some of you are going, oh, yeah, but, but I still have questions myself. Isn't that so true? I don't think there's any time that we ever will fully know everything that God has for us. There's no way to explain him entirely. We're always going to have questions. Now, I, I just kind of a, a funny story about asking questions and us having questions. I, I have some, some friends of mine, um, you know, they, they have several kids in their family, and, and they have a four-year-old uh, that's in their family, and their four-year-old uh, just seems to ask a lot of questions all the time. You know, maybe you have a, a young child like that. It's like, hey, wh what are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? And, you know, it's, it's cute for a little while, right? Oh, my gosh, they're so inquisitive. Look at my little boy. Like, it's just so awesome. But then they start asking questions that we don't want to give answers to. Wh why do you have so many gray hairs? 
what? Like I, 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 and, and they're just wondering, is that really the best way to do that, Mom? You're, you're four. Stop asking me stuff like that. Leave me alone. And, and, but man, when we look at who we are, we want to learn, don't we? we? We understand that about little kids, and, and it's kind of justifiable for them. But as we get older, sometimes we get scared to ask questions. Like we raise our hand going, I, I feel like I'm in school. Should I raise my hand? Because I don't, I don't get what you're saying, Pastor Aaron. I, I don't understand. And so we want to learn, right? So we ask questions, and, and sometimes we have more questions than we do have answers. And that's what we're going to do over these next several weeks. So you don't want to miss. Like this is going to be good. It's going to be powerful. Because, I mean, there's some questions out there that are really just thought-provoking and deep. Or, like if I asked you, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? I mean, oh my gosh, like how would, you descri- how would you answer that? What would you say? And there's a lot of different answers that we could come up with. And, you know, so it depends on your education, depends on your upbringing, depends on your family, depends on your background. And I would even say that the answer has changed over the last several decades. The answer has changed over centuries of the past. But if we really begin to dive deep, a lot of us, we just, we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are as humans. So when you think about that and you have the understanding, really what we have to do is we have to go all the way back to the beginning in Scripture, all the way back to the, to the book of Genesis, to creation. And, and really, when you look at that, God gave one rule. He gave one One single, seemingly simple rule to Adam and Eve in the garden. And we're going to find this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. It says, But the Lord warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And so when we understand this, we look at this, well, why? Why would God say this? And so what this is, is is God is saying to Adam, Don't try and be like me. Don't try to have the knowledge of good and understanding. Just worship me. Don't eat this tree and just worship me. And so being human means that we're not God, right? Being human means that we simply worship God and who he is, but we try to be like God, don't we? We try to be controlling. We try to manipulate and when you look at just our culture and society, and we just, unfortunately, there are not a lot of absolutes anymore. There's just a lot of gray area. There's a lot of wiggle room. There's more of the understanding now than ever where you do what you want. There are no absolutes. Whatever seems right to you, you go for that. You do that. If it feels good, it must be right. And people will make decisions based on that. And gosh, you know, if if there are other people that try and tell us what to do, like, you can't do that. Don't you dare tell me what to do. I get to do what I want when I want. And, And in doing so, we have pushed God out. We have pushed absolutes out. And we wonder why we're in the situations that we are. Because we have done our very best to push him as far as we can. And so apologetics is declaring declaring who Christ is, declaring who, who he is, declaring the gospel, the good news about Jesus and, and him being the son of God and dying and, and rising again. And so that's how we give answers to the questions that we have and that others have. It talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, 
verse 15, it says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So my question to you is, would you be able to do that right now? If you left the service, you, you go out to lunch, you go out to dinner, later you encounter somebody and they say, wow, I see your Grace Church shirt, you're better together, connection groups. What does that mean? Why do you have faith? Would you be able to give an answer to that? And so if, you're, if you would say, no, not really, I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk through that over these today and the next several weeks because there are billions of people that are looking for answers. Billions. And they're asking deep, thought-provoking questions. Not just surface stuff, deep things, because they want to know, what's the meaning of life? Why am I actually here? I'm here. I'm, I'm real. When I pinch myself, it hurts. When I cut myself, I bleed. I'm real. I'm alive. So why am I here? What's my purpose? What is truth? You talk about absolutes. You talk about truth. What is truth? How can I actually know What's right from wrong? Very viable question. What happens when I die? I have breath in my lungs, my heart beats. What happens when it stops? Where do I go? Do I just disappear? Do you know what, what happens? And so the answer to these, they create our worldview. You know, and you maybe learned this, you know, back in high school or something, and, you know, just our understanding our worldview. And so there's several things that we're going to look at as a church for the 21st century, defending our faith in this modern world, because culture and society are making declarations. Okay, they are. We see them. If you open your eyes, they're making them, and they're, they're coming on strong, hard, big time. And so if we don't know how to defend our faith, we are going to, just by nature, we're going to adopt those thoughts and beliefs and not be able to stand against them. So what I want to do is I have... I have two different parts of, of three points. And so the first part, I want to give the three things that culture is saying. So the first is that God is dead. Like our culture will very uh, just loudly and, and abruptly say, God is dead. And so what this is, is this is the, the, a person who wants to be an atheist, who is an atheist, and they're okay with it. And other people are okay with it too. Where it's like, oh, you don't believe in God? Yeah, that's fine. Neither do I. And so where literally people have moved from, removed God from their lives entirely. There is, there is no God. There's no need for that. And, and I ask the question about what happens after I die, and they go, nothing. It's just the end. You know, it's just, it just everything stops. And so do we understand the ramifications of a godless society? I mean, th think about that. What are the ramifications? And I want to share with you, we're living in it now. What, because this is a postmodern culture that we have here in our country. And so I would ask, would you say things are better or worse with having God or with having removed him? And I just, I think we're so concerned about the left and the right that we have forgotten about the up and the down. I just, I think that's just the reality. Like we're so focused on this group and that group, that we have lost our, our uh, having our eyes on the Lord and who he is and how he affects us and he, how, he can, how we can be used. And I just, I think so many times in our life, we're looking at the things, the stuff, the, 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 
what we're trying to strive for and achieve, and, and we have pushed the afterlife out of our conversations. And what I mean by that is we're, we're more focused on the cars that we have and the cars that we want than the reality that the coworker that we work with is, doesn't yet know Jesus. We're more focused on the time when we get to go back on vacation again or, or the house that we want to buy or the food that we're going to eat. Have you ever noticed how much we talk about food? We are very, very inundated and, and just with food. We talk about food all the time. We'll talk about different food while we're eating food. I mean, think about that. So we're constantly focused on the left and the right and the things that are in our life when really the best gift that we could ever give anyone is Jesus. The best gift ever is the Lord. It talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. The thieves do not break in and steal Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And so, where are your treasures? And, and I just would, would say in this culture, in this time, because people say that God is dead, we are more concerned about offending somebody by talking about Jesus than the reality that they are going to hell if they don't have him. And, and, and that's a, that bothers me. That, that's a concern for me. Because if we remove God from this whole scenario, then what happens is, who's in control? God's dead. God's out. Postmodern culture that we're in right now. God is, is removed. So who's in control? We're in control, right? We get to decide what we want and how. So let me, what happens if we actually get what we want? When we look deep inside of ourselves, why are we moving in the certain direction that we are? I think when we get what we want, we want more, don't we? When you reach a spot, you're like, wow, that's great. I wonder what's next. I wonder where I can get to now. I wonder what I can gain, what I can buy, what I can earn, what I can make, what, what group I can take over, what company I can buy. So after we've done all that we think we can and, 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 and achieved, what then? I think there's a few things that take place, and you can look at cultures and society, you can look at history. I think we start to get bored because we've been in control, we've got everything we want, so we get just kind of lackadaisical and bored, and then unfortunately we start to make some other decisions. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we get even more greedy, power hungry. What, 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 you already got that. I want more. And then what happens is whether it's being bored or get, want, desiring more, other things begin to rise up inside because that's our sinful nature that begins to come to the surface. And so you're talking about immorality begins to surface even more. You're talking about violence, pushing God out even more, just, just disregard him. And now I personally don't believe that God is dead. I believe that he's alive, and that's amazing. And I, I believe in who he is. Thank you so much. And, and so I would say because he's alive in me, and like if we allow him to lead our lives, I think everything is different. But culture will say that God is dead. Another thing that culture will say is, is maybe you don't, maybe you're not an atheist, but maybe you believe in many gods. 
right? Pluralism type, type understandings where there's Eastern religions and, and mysticism and New Age and there's lots of gods to choose from, isn't there? Like you can pick one and, and I've had friends that I've talked to and they're like, oh, I tried this religion, I tried that one, there's another, I tried that one and, and now I, I came to find Christianity to, to be the correct one. And so with the different gods and different understandings, there's different beliefs that come with those religions. There's idols that people worship, there's different types of prayers, there's rituals, seances, I mean, right, mysticism, there's so many different things when you talk about there being many gods. And so what is it that sets Christianity apart? So if you're here, I would say I think 100% of Americans have heard that God had a son and his name's Jesus. And he's the savior, and he was born, and he died, and he, was, he, he died on the cross for you and I, and he rose again. But then they might say, well, that's what the Christians believe. Okay, that's exactly. For those of us that are in Christ, that's what we believe, that he rose again, and he's now alive, not dead. But other people with other religions, they believe a, a variety of different things, and so that's what a Christian would believe. Now, why is it that a Christian can make that claim? I would say because it's true. No other religion can make claims like that. I mean, think about this. When you look at all the other religions, they can't say that their deity died and rose again. Why can't they say that? Because it can be proved false. Well, then why can Christians make that such a bold declaration? It's because it can be proved true. So we put our faith in God and who he is, his son, and have the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason it's true is because there were over 500 witnesses that saw Jesus and encountered him. Some even had conversations with him, watched him get nailed to the cross, watched him you know, die and, and breathe his last breath, watched him get buried in the tomb, the stone rolled in front, and then talked with him afterwards. Okay, that's significant. In, in this day and age, it only takes one witness in a court of law for something to be real and true. We're talking about over 500 witnesses that experienced Christ, saw him, talked with him even. And I would even say that we are living proof that Christ is alive. And so I believe that there's one true living God. That there are not many gods, but there is one singular God, and he is above all and so powerful and strong. And, and this third point I want to share with you is a little bit different, uh, and, and, and it has to do with the understanding of moral reasoning. Okay, this is just, uh, just reality for us in, in the world that we live in. Point number three, moral reasoning, where culture has morphed into this reality that we just... We get to decide, right? right? We, we get to decide our morals, and I would say that we are even deciding with our eyes. Culture is deciding, not so much with our mind, not so much you know, with, with our spirit, but, but our eyes. Because, so our eyes have begun to influence our moral conscience. Let me give you some examples. Our phones, right? How many of you have looked at your phone since I started talking? We're talking, you know, 15, 20 minutes, but you you pulled out your phone, you looked at How many of you have looked at your phone today? A lot, all of us. How many of you have looked at your phone a thousand times already in this day? And so uh, YouTube and videos and like so many, especially the younger culture, the the, the younger generation, they're they're looking with their eyes. What's the news? What's going on? What videos? 
And, and it's dominating our lives. Let me give you a verse that talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, continuing in verse 22. It says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. That last statement that Jesus makes is disturbing. It's even scary. When the light that we think is light is actually darkness, how deep and how dark that really is. That's why we're doing this series. That's why we're talking about this. Because culture has developed reasoning, moral reasoning, that is, is contrary to Scripture. It's contrary to God. It's contrary to truth. They're developing what they want, what seems right. Whatever seems right to me, that's, that's what, what declares my moral compass. That's what culture's saying. Whatever's right for me. And in saying that, What's the first verse that we started with in Genesis 2? It's like God is saying, don't try and be like God. That's exactly what we're doing, our moral reasoning. So I would dare say that for us as human beings, we should not be the litmus test for morality. And if you think you are, I would say that you are headed in a direction that is very scary and even disturbing because that's God's job. Because we are bent towards evil. We are sinful. We choose sin. We choose selfishness time and time again. We can't play God. And so for me, in my beliefs, I believe that God's word is authoritative. I believe that scripture is inerrant. I believe that God gives this to us so that we can read and, and ingest and believe, and not only in our mind, but in our soul, spirit, every, our body. It, it, it's applicable to every area of our life where we can live by his word, and it's so powerful, it's so significant. And I also believe that God's word determines morality. That's why, if, if you've been around for a little bit, I use the term biblical morality often, as much as I can. I don't determine what's right or wrong, but God's word shows me, and he leads me, and he shows us. And so apologetics will help us. The unshakable truth the reality of who he is, and allow us to defend our faith. And with this, it's the thing that's so neat about it, it, it sounds very academic, doesn't it? But the, the, the core of apologetics is really about sharing your faith. It's about evangelism. Evangelism is, is talking about you know, others that don't yet know Christ. It, it's talking to them about him. It's the reason why we reach others for Christ. And so after the resurrection, Jesus declared, he's like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And it's in Mark 16, 15. He says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. The good news about Jesus being the son of God, died and rose again so that we could be set free from our sin, free from death and have eternity in heaven. So this is our mandate. This is our calling. This is our vision. This, is, this should be part of our purpose in who we are as people. And so how do we do that? How do we reach people that don't yet know Jesus? So now there's three different things I want to share with you that we can do. So here's three things as Christians, as Christ followers, that we can do. The first one is really important. It's the lordship of Christ in our life. And so when we declare 
that Jesus, that we're a Christian. We're saying, Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. I need him. I've been redeemed. The price has been paid. He's already done it. This gets me access not to God here on earth and when I pass away. That this is a big, this is a huge deal. This, this should be like the overarching banner in our lives, the lordship of Jesus. And the best way that we tell other people that, that Jesus is Lord in our life is simply telling our story. So if you were to, if you were to tell your story, uh, oftentimes in church we use the word testimony. What's your testimony on who you were before Christ? What did that look like? And some of us, like a shiver just went up our spine and we're like, oh, before Jesus, I was like, oh, no good. No, it was terrible. I made awful decisions, and, and I'm ashamed of, of who that was, but I found him. And then what, what's the next step? It, it's coming to know Christ. How did you find him? How, how, have you, how did you experience him, your conversion story? What did that look like? And then after, what changed? What's life like now? What, what have you experienced? So what were you like BC, before Christ, and then after you experienced him? And, 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 and so what does that look like now? In your life. So us telling another person our story about the lordship of Christ is the simplest way to share our faith. I have a video of a friend of mine that, that shares uh, this exact thing, if you would give your attention to the screen. Hi everyone, my name's Kirk, and I've attended Grace Church for a few years now. I've attended church my whole life, and I've always considered myself to be a Christian. However, many years back, I was attending church more sporadically, reading my Bible less frequently, and praying only when I really needed something. And as a result, I put other things in my life ahead of where Christ should have been. Specifically, uh, for many years, I was focused almost exclusively on my business and on my job, and it pretty much consumed me. I was always worried and always feeling anxious uh, about my job. And as a result, a lot of other areas of my life suffered. My relationships with family and friends, and even my health, uh, I was overweight and uh, just constantly feeling anxious and worried about losing accounts or worried about the future uh, in general. Thankfully, the Lord allowed me to experience burnout. So I burnt out and I realized that what I was doing was not working and I, I felt a sense of conviction for not having Christ be number one in my life. So I surrendered. I, I told the Lord, I said, I will you know, make you number one now going forward. I'm willing to sell the business and I'm willing to be led by you to do whatever you want me to do in my life. So around that time, I spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in the word. And um, it was around this time I got plugged in at Grace Church. And so over a period of, of many months, I, I just earnestly pursued the Lord, spent a lot of quiet time with the Lord and just was seeking his will for my life. And then I sensed a message from the Lord saying, stay put, stay where you are, don't sell the business, keep doing what you're doing, but get your priorities straight. Make me, make Christ number one in your life. So that was the message I, I received, and that was what I did. So um, ever since then, I've continued to make Christ number one in my life, and I've been transformed. I've experienced a peace that I had never felt before, um, I really don't worry about business. I enjoy my job. I enjoy my business, but it doesn't consume me. It doesn't make up who I am. Um, and so my identity is in Christ. My identity is not in my business. My identity is in Christ. And I've experienced so much more joy and optimism as a result of that. 
Before Christ, life was difficult for me. It, every day was a challenge, and uh, it was just very difficult, and, and I was filled with fear and anxiety on most days. After reprioritizing things and, and making Christ number one in my life, I experienced peace and joy and so much hope and optimism for the future. Because why wouldn't we be optimistic with Christ and knowing uh, Him and, and experiencing His grace? So having said that, um, I hope you as well experience the same peace that I've felt. And um, I thank you so much for watching and listening to my story. Isn't that great? So simple. Three minutes. This is who I was before. This is who I am now. And this is you know, how things have changed. And so us sharing our story is the greatest form of defending our faith. Because our story is our story. It's undeniable. That's the reality. So that's the first thing. The second thing is our faith must be seen. This is super important for us. We're here at Grace Church, uh, the phrase that we use is we wear love out, where love comes outside. So we're talking about being involved in the community. We're talking about being involved in missions. We're talking about serving others. And so we've continued to do that. We're very, very involved in our community, and we will always do that because our love must be seen. And the thing that's really interesting about this, even those who oppose Christianity, they cannot deny the good that we do, right? There's no argument against what we're doing and our actions. It talks about this in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So all, everything that we do is seen by other people, not for us, not so we pat ourselves on the back and like, oh, I'm a, such a good, good little Christian, I should get a certificate and a gold star. It's like, no, 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 everything is to glorify God, that our faith is seen by other people. So when we're in the community, when we're at school, when we're at the store, when we're at work, at home, we speak blessing, we speak life, we speak encouragement. We are generous, we serve, we put others' needs before our own at times. We walk in humility, not pride. We take on the, the character of Christ and his nature, and our light just simply shines. And so we need to do this, it needs to be seen. And so when we're, when we're building relationships with other people, our light should be part of who we are. It's not covered, but it should be in our conversations and how we talk. And, and, and so we're listening Right? In relationships, listening is extremely important. When you're talking to that person and, the, and they share part of their story and their struggles, right? they're opening up, just listen. Just be understanding. It's, just, it's hugely important for us as people where we can do that uh, because then ultimately we have number three, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, this is so important to me. For us as a church, this is one of the, our, our big stances just in Christianity and, and understanding the, the Spirit in our lives uh, because some people have surrendered their life to Jesus. They have. Maybe you have. Maybe you're watching online and you have. And so some people have, but others haven't. And I love to use the word yet. Family members haven't yet come to know Christ. So we pray for them. We love them. We encourage them. And we have the Spirit. Right? So when we take Christ on it, I love this about just our faith in Jesus where he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is inside of us. And so he, we receive this grace, like the grace of God and his spirit. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do amazing things. We can't save that person. 
That's God's job. But he does use us in their lives to do amazing things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 10, it says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And so when we believe in Jesus, we take on the Spirit. And so we can listen to the Spirit. Maybe you've, that you've heard people say, oh, I just God speaks to me. God's talking to me. I can, I can hear God. He commun-. So that's the spirit inside of us. It becomes part of who we are. It becomes part of our nature. We can be led by the spirit. He gives us wisdom. He gives us guidance. When we're doing something that's not right, that's contrary to God's word, he'll bring conviction in our life. But I also believe that we can experience the supernatural because of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's amazing. Miracles, signs and wonders gifts of the spirit that that he gives to us incredible power that's inside of us and i just i'm a firm believer that that power should not lie dormant inside but it should come out it should be revealed not only in our words but in our actions because there are people that are searching for answers i have them i have the answer and the only answer for a dying and hurting world is a crucified and risen savior so for those of you that are here in the auditorium or those of you watching online, maybe this is the time when all of a sudden you go, oh, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded. I, I had doubt. I had disbelief. I didn't believe that, that, that God you know, was real. I didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior. I didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. It kind of seems really kind of mystic. You know, to me, and I, and I don't understand it, but now I get it. Like, I understand it. And so what happens is, maybe right now, the Holy Spirit is moving in you where you need to take a step. And so where we choose to take Christ, where we surrender our lives, you know, we throw up our hands and be like, I'm done. I'm done trying on my own. I'm done trying to be in control. I surrender my life and who I am over to you. And I realize, you know, that there might be many of us that need this, whether it's making a a first-time commitment to Christ, or maybe things have gotten off track for you, and you need to recommit your life to Him because of who He is, so that He can use you in this powerful way. So if everybody here in the auditorium, if you'd be willing to bow your head and close your eyes, and those of you watching online, I just need you to close your eyes so that you can ponder and think those things and those thoughts, and, and where, man, what's God saying to you right now? Maybe you need faith in Christ. And you feel like I'm talking to you right now. Maybe you just, your heart's beating a little fast. Maybe you have some goosebumps or you feel warm and you're going, man, how, did, how is he speaking right to me? It's not me, but it's the spirit that's speaking to you. And so wherever it is that you are, you can take a step to make Christ as number one in your life and turn your life over to him. And so if that's you, I would just ask that you would pray along with me right now. You know, you can repeat the words after me. It's not that my words are special or magical in any way, but I I just want to lead you through this process where we can take this step and and make Christ the number one priority in life. So pray along. If that's you, pray along with me right now. Maybe you say something like, God, I, I know I need you. God, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. I'm even ashamed of them. I'm disappointed and sad, and I feel guilty for those things, but... Would you please forgive me for that? Jesus, I see who you are. I see that you're God's son. And I want you to be in control of me and my life. So I surrender to you. I believe in my heart 
that you truly did die and that you rose again, which is hard for me to understand, but I believe it. There's something about it. I believe it to be true and real. Would you come into my life and change me? Would you give me a new beginning? Because I need it. I need it so bad. Would you change the way that I live? And Father, I just, I pray a blessing on all of us. Uh, Lord, as we hear your scripture, as we dive through this understanding of uh, unshakable faith and what it looks like and us being able to communicate that and live that out. Lord, I pray just for a sense of boldness. I pray for your Holy Spirit to move in us. Uh, Lord, that we wouldn't cower in fear, that we wouldn't have fear of offense and offending others, but Jesus, that we would just declare who you are and, and that you are in our lives and you've changed us. And that's, that's enough for us, but it's got to expand. It's got to go out to other people. So Lord, would you allow us even this week to encounter the people that have questions and they don't have answers. They have significant, deep questions. Lord, that we might have an opportunity to share our faith. Lord, I just pray for those opportunities that you would put them in front of us and that we would respond. God, thank you for your power. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are here in the auditorium and, and you made a commitment to follow Christ, we would love to know about that. You can stop by the Connection Center. Or you can go to gracechurch.life uh, and, and, and let us know that you said yes. And, and if you're watching online, uh, you can look at the, the link in the comments below or just go to gracechurch.life and click I said yes because we would love to know that. We don't want you just out on your own, but we want to join in this journey together. Thank you so much for, for worshiping. And if you guys could go ahead and stand, we're going to close with a song.